First Samuel chapter 17. We have um, we have been journeying through this subject of purpose, and um, it's so funny, you know, because when I got into it, I had no intention. I was thinking one message, and as I began to speak, I was like, "Well, we, this can go into next week." No idea we're going to next month. Amen. I think we're on like our sixth installment so far. And it's just so much has been revealed. So much is being uncovered. And um, I'm very purposeful, especially in the subject of purpose, but very purposeful that when I'm speaking or when I'm teaching people of God, I'm actually teaching a class on sermon preparation and sermon communication right now to students. Uh, down at Kingdom Institute at our Anchor Faith Church St. Augustine location every weekend. And in this class, I tell them that the communication of the gospel is irrelevant without the comprehension of it. Because what you do not comprehend, you cannot apply. And it's so, I, from that perspective, I'm always asking myself what, I put myself in your seat, if you will. Before I stand up here, I sit down there and I say, if I was receiving this message or if I was on the other end of giving it, uh, what would I what would I want to know? Number one, what would I want to feel? Right. Because feelings are powerful, regardless of whether you recognize it or not. Feelings drive you. And if you're not feeling something, if this isn't waking something inside of you or 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 not just turning a light bulb on, but creating and stirring within you something that says, I've got to do something with this, because the next thing is, what do I want them to do? What do I want them to know? Not just hear, but know, right? There's a difference between hearing something and knowing something. What do I want them to know? What do I want them to feel? What do I want them to do? Because the application of the word, I think for so long we got lost in the communication of it and giving these great messages, these great speeches, these great sermons. But there's nothing that people could apply. We never drove it home. And so I'm always asking myself, putting myself on that end, what what do I want the people to walk away with on a Wednesday night hearing these messages? And I, I don't want us to just merely discover purpose. Um, I want us to see everything different. And honestly, I believe where we're going tonight is where I was intending to go in the beginning. I finally caught back up to my first night because I started at the first night and I said, why are we starting in the middle? This is the middle. We got to go back to chapter 16. And if you've missed the last, you know, four or five messages, you've got to get caught up. Uh, uh, It will be so worth it. Um, But now we're finally up to where I wanted to be. And and I want to talk about tonight and and probably for the next several nights, the perspective of purpose, the perspective of purpose, because I believe our life is not a result of what we uh, uh, of what we experience necessarily. Our life is a result of our perspective of our experiences. Your life is not a result of reality. It's a result of how you see your reality. There's a difference. There's a perspective that comes into play because uh, I can have two people go through identical situations and both of them come out with with conflicting, contradicting even outcomes merely based upon their. I, I can have two people working at a company that they've both been there for 20 years, get let go, and one of them will 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 be broke uh, down, not just broke financially, but broken down emotionally and broken down mentally. What in the world am I going to do now? And uh, God must be attacking me. And I can have the other one that would look at the same challenge and same trial and say, we're going to figure this out. I'm going to start a business. So that's what happened back when the Great Depression took place. Uh, what came what, what became a result of that was people that had perspective, a different perspective. Because you can live by what you see and what you experience, or you can live by what you make of what you see or what you experience. I can, leave, I can live my life by everything that happens to me and get tossed around by all the challenges, all the trials, all the struggles. But see, people with purpose 
live differently. This is, this is what's exciting about people with purpose. When you recognize your purpose, I got to quit looking at Jerry Ann. She's going to get me all excited because we talk about this stuff all the time. When, when, you live, when you have purpose, everything becomes purposeful. Everything becomes purposeful. The positive and the negative. The good and the bad. The high times and the low times. When we're on the shore enjoying the beach and when we're out in the middle of the waves and the storms are coming against us and it looks like it's ripping the boat apart and we're going to die. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you go through. Your perspective makes everything purposeful. You quit playing the victim. And we quit becoming, uh, uh, we, we quit going through life being tossed around by whatever it throws at us. But everything that comes our way, we instantly respond with, okay, what are you trying to say? What can I learn? What do I need to do? How can I turn this around? How can I go from being a problem finder to a problem solver? How can I find solutions rather than just grumbling and complaining about how it is? And so this is really where I feel like I was trying to get to with David. But there was so much more that we had to unravel that has gotten us to this point, like determining the difference between the pasture and the palace, because the, 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 the reason why people neglect the pasture is because of an incorrect perspective. They think that the pasture is just this season where everybody's just trying to keep them down and why they, they don't know my worth and they don't know my value. They don't know my potential. I was anointed to be a king. What am I doing out here in the middle of these sheep? Why am I why am I cleaning up all this poop? Why am I having to chase down all these stupid sheep? They don't even listen to me anyway. Why am I fighting off this bear? Why am I rather than recognizing that all of that is preparation to get you to the palace? We neglect it and we reject it and we go. And, and this is the interesting thing about David that I thought was just I, I, I went back reading through this and I I have to really be careful because I could just stay in some of these verses, not just the chapters, but verses for weeks. But when it's just interesting to me that David was out in the in the field when the prophet showed up looking for a king. And this is what God spoke to me. He said, when you live according to my purpose, you don't have to promote yourself. I'll do the promoting for you. <laughs> oh, I, I, I want to be in the ministry. I, I, I used to lead this. I, I used to do that. And, and, and man, you, you should know, you should hear me on the guitar. I mean, I, I played in so many worship teams. I, and I, I have been around people that they just promote, 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 rather than letting God do it. Now, you definitely got to you got to let people know what you're good. At. You got to let people know what your skills are. But but I remember there was this one individual at a uh, uh, in, in St. August, this was years ago, and uh, I mean, it, it wasn't every conversation was motivated by trying to get up on this platform. Every conversation, it didn't matter who he was talking to, it didn't matter if he was in the bathroom, it didn't matter if he was talking to a pastor, it, it didn't matter. Somehow, some way, your flyer comes out, or your bulletin comes out, or your signage comes out, your neon lights start going off. Guitar player, guitar player, guitar player, guitar player. I play the guitar. I played guitar for 12 years. I played, I've been in this band. I've been in that band. I know how to do that. And it's like, let God promote you. Just be faithful. We want to know that you're interested in our stuff before we get an interested in your stuff. But, but, but people do this because you've got to understand that the pasture... He, he, he came into that position uninvited. I mean, technically, wasn't even supposed to be there. What wasn't even didn't even belong there. God will get you in places that you don't even belong if you quit trying to be in places that you think that you have to promote yourself to get to. It's interesting, but but this pasture season, we miss a lot of times our pasture season and just and some people just, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord, just waiting on God to, to show me. No, you're not. You're not just waiting. I was talking with someone. I can't remember who it was. I was talking with someone. They said they were just talking with another individual about this same thing. And the individual kept responding uh, and, and saying, I'm, I'm just I'm in the waiting room. He said, no, 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 you're not in the waiting room. We're not sitting around waiting for God to come to the door and call our name. Mr. Brady, we're ready to see you now. 
No, God is, God is wanting to see what will you do in the waiting? What will you apply? What will you be faithful with? What, what will you give yourself? What will you give your all to as if, like we said last week, will you take the first step as if it was the last step? Because we do that. Oh, man, if I had that position, I would do this and I would do that and, and, and I would change this. If you would do that for that, do it now. You know, one thing that I've learned uh, in ministry is I don't wait to give people a title before we put them in a position or before we place an expectation on them. If you're waiting for a title to start living up to a standard, then, then you've missed it because God doesn't choose people and then they become. God says, this is who you are and then you will become this. You will walk, you will work your way into that. We won't be able to keep you where you're at. We'll have to bump you up. We'll have to shoot you up. We'll have to get you in a different place of him because what you're producing at this level is actually up at this level. But so many people say, I'll wait until they give me the title before I do that. I'll wait till I become that. I'll wait till I make that kind of money. I'll wait until I have that kind of, I'll wait until I have kids. I'll wait until I get, no, no, no. You don't need to wait until you get married to be more cleaner. You need to go ahead and be clean now and make yourself a candidate to become, hello. Have any single people in the room saying, shout me, amen. Amen. There's so many things that we, we wait to implement in our life. Because we don't have a proper perspective of the season. I wonder how many other shepherds were out in that field or around that town. I mean, we know Bethlehem was known for its sheep. That's where Jesus ended ended up being born. And shepherds were the ones that came running to his arrival. Came to his baby shower. came came, Came to the house. Jesus has been born. The angels went to who? The shepherds. Watching their sheep by night. So we know that there's shepherds everywhere. But one candidate, one person that's out there with a different perspective, one person that's out there not trying to make it, not trying to be something, not trying to do this or trying to do that, not trying to create something for themselves, but just being faithful with what God's called them to do and letting God promote them from there. I want to talk about perspective and we're coming out of this transition and um, let's pick up here in First Samuel chapter 17. Uh, let's pick up with verse 22. That was our last verse that we were ministering on transition. And I hope that ministered to you as well. If I could say this, transition isn't just the period between the seasons. It is a season. Yeah, anybody ever notice that transition isn't like I went to bed and then I woke up the next morning. I'm not transitioning anymore. It's a season. Transition in and of itself is a season. We got to treat it as such. Sometimes I think we expect too much of transition. And transition is just that. Transition. It's coming out of one uh, area and into the next. But even that position in the middle, God is still looking for faithfulness. He's still looking for what am I doing? I'm, I'm in between jobs. I'm, I'm in between assignments. I'm in between purpose. I'm in between uh, this or in between that. What is God trying to teach you in the midst of transition? But here in verse 22, David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, came and greeted his brothers. Now, I, I want to remind you that they are at war. This is not a happy time. This isn't a family reunion. Dad didn't call all the brothers together and say, hey, let's everybody get together. Haven't seen each other in a while. They are at war. And as of this very moment, it's not going so well. Because they God's people, Israel. Is locked in place at a standstill. Against one of their fiercest enemies, the Philistines. And on top of that, the Philistines have this soldier, have this giant named Goliath. And Goliath is not your average soldier. Goliath is not just your average military guy. Number one, naturally speaking, he stands heads and shoulders above everybody else over nine feet tall. 
Everything he carries is larger than anything anybody has ever seen. His spear, his sword, his shield. I mean, we're talking intimidating. This isn't something you run to. Even if you're just bringing cheese to your brothers. He's not. David isn't just creeping up in here. Uh, Here, here's the here's the cheese. Okay, I'm out of here. See ya. Now he goes running to him. Running to this army, running to, running towards the battle. And then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. What were those same words? He was attacking the nation of Israel. And calling out uh, one of their men to come and try to fight him. And whoever won, they would take the other uh, army by slave, by slavery. So that's what's been taking place in verse 24. And all the men of Israel, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and were dreadfully afraid all of them, not one of them, you know, put on any kind of backbone, put on any kind of man status and said, well, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove they weren't looking to try to prove each other out. They weren't trying to, you know, one up anybody. All of them. You running? You run, I'm running. You running? You going? We're going. We're out of here. Fleeing and dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Notice here that they are even listing the rewards that they get if they take out this giant. But even that wasn't enough. See, here's the thing. When you are when you don't have purpose and you don't recognize the greater cause, there is no reward anybody can give you that will get you to move forward in life. We think, oh, if, if, if they would just pay me this much more, I would do this. No, you wouldn't. Because you still don't have purpose. Oh, if, if I if I married this kind of person, then, then you know, then I would I would I would I would be a, a, a better. No, no, you wouldn't. There's no reward that you could ever get that will make up for a lack of purpose in your life. I mean, there, these are some great rewards here. I mean, the king is obviously trying to give them some incentive to take this man out. He's obviously, you know, gotten to the point, King Saul, uh, that he has no hope in God, obviously. Now he's placed his hope in man and he's thinking, well, maybe if I can just reward them, maybe if I can just get something to maybe if I can just treat them a little bit better or or or, you know, give them some kind of incentive. Maybe they will get off their rear ends and go and fight this guy. But that wouldn't work because there's no reward that will supplement purpose. There's no reward that you can ever get in life that will replace what purpose does for you. And then David spoke to the men who stood by him. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Here it is, that he should defy the armies of the living God. The first perspective that we see here is their view of who's being attacked. And people, when they recognize that they are living for a purpose and they have a cause, they don't see, they don't take it personal. Right. Because that's what the soldiers said uh, up in verse 25. Have you seen this man who comes up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. Us personally. He's talking about us. But David didn't see it that way. David had a different perspective. He heard the same cries that they heard. 
He heard the same things that Goliath was trying to speak out to them. He heard the same uh, defiance and he heard the same mocking and the same ridicule. He heard all the same comments that Goliath was saying, but he still he, he didn't hear something different, but he heard it differently. He didn't hear something different. He he heard the same accusations, but he heard it differently. He says, who is this man that he should defy the armies of the living God? In essence, he's saying, whoa, whoa, he's not coming against us. He's coming against God. See, when, when you recognize that you have purpose, you recognize that the attack that's coming against you isn't coming against you. It's coming against what you carry. It's coming against what you have. It's coming against who you belong to. You don't have to take it personal when you live with purpose. People that understand purpose, they don't take attack personal. Why? They're just trying. They're just talking bad about. It. They're just trying to get me out of here. They're just trying to cut me down. They're just trying to weaken me. What, who do they think they are trying to take me out? What are they? Why are they? Why are they saying these things about? No, no, no. You recognize this isn't about me. It's about my cause. It's about what I come to represent. It's about what I carry. Now, this is the thing. The second that you join with the cause, you take on the attacks of the cause. But you cannot take those attacks personal. You can't take them personal. Pastoring this church, I mean, we're, we're thankful for all the people that love what we're doing and support what we're doing. But, you know, over the six and a half years we've been here, not everyone's been a supporter. Not everyone has sat down and just said, Pastor Mark, you were just doing such a wonderful job. So anointed. We just love church. The AC is always exactly at the level that we want it. And the chairs are just as comfortable as we would ever expect them to be. And, and there's never, uh, you know, a long line to the, you know, this. But then there's people. Uh, we, we, I've sat down with some people that they're just trying to attack. That's all they care about. And, and sure, at, at first, in the beginning, you want to, oh, man, why, why did I do that? Man, why, I knew we shouldn't have done it that way. I knew that. But eventually you realize they're not attacking me. This has nothing to do with Pastor Mark. You're not even angry with me. You're bringing it to me because I'm the head and I'm the last one down the line that can listen to it. But, but ultimately it's, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the cause we represent. Because the enemy would want nothing more than for me to feel defeated because the cause can only advance as far as I advance. Future now can only advance as far as you advance. If y'all get down, because you're the visionaries and the leaders, if you get down, so does future now. As the leader goes, so goes the... And so we've got to recognize that the enemy, the attacks, the accusations, the challenges are not there to knock you out necessarily, but they're to take out what you represent. When you step down or when you retreat or flee in fear, you're not just compromising yourself. You're compromising the mission for which you represent. There's a mission on the line. Your house is on the line. Your marriage is on the line. Your home is on the line. Your kids are. See, and this, I was uh, uh, helping someone out a few weeks ago. And just talking about talking through divorce and and what gets compromised when that happens. And my brother, when he was 25 years old, took his own life. And the enemy, uh, uh, God told me, he said he didn't just compromise his life. He compromised everybody that he would influence and affect for the kingdom of God. Everybody he would talk, everybody he would talk to. And, And the enemy will go after the leader. He doesn't go after the people on the bottom. He goes after the leader. Well, what are you leading? And I'm not just talking ministry or even business. You lead your home. You lead your family. You lead your marriage. You, you lead your job. You, you've got a sphere of influence. There are people, whether you, realize, whether you realize it or not, that are relying on you. And when we back down and we retreat, we compromise the mission. 
Goliath is bringing these accusations, the, 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 the Israelites heard, why are you attacking me? But David said, no, 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 no. You're not just attacking me. I mean, if you were just attacking a shepherd boy that just showed up out here bringing cheese to his brothers, that'd be one thing. But that's not what's happening here. You're attacking my God. He goes on in verse 27, it says, And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Verse 28, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And all, all he's doing, I mean, look at the conversation that's taking place. Even by the fact of recognizing he's not, they're not just, this man is not just attacking us. He's attacking our mission. He's attacking our God. And just by even asking, so what's happening for the person that defeats this guy? That's all it took for a liar to get, bro, who do you think you are? Excuse me? What does he go on to say? He says, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? And we saw this in our first week. That people with no purpose will always be intimidated by people with purpose. Don't, don't. Don't get concerned when you walk into a room and you start calling the shots and you start saying, okay, so what what are we going to do about this problem? And don't get concerned when the people that have been there for the 20, for the last 25 years trying to fix it, man, you're never going to do, you're never going to figure that. You're never going to make that happen. I was listening to a pastor a few weeks ago and he was talking about, uh, uh, he pastors a very large church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, uh, he was talking about how when he first got started, before he even got started, he sat down with another pastor, went to lunch with this pastor. And was explained to him his vision and his ideas. And, and, and we're going to have a, you know, we're going to have a church that breaks all. It's going to break denominational barriers and it's going to break the color barriers. And, and we're going to have old people with young people and we're going to do all. And he's doing it today. Twelve years in, uh, uh, it's a strong, growing ministry. But it, the pastor across the table from him said, not going to do it, brother, not in the south. Not in the South. Never reduce your vision to other people's lack of purpose. Never reduce your vision. That, that happened to me when I came here. And I know I'm young. I mean, I was, I was 27 years old when I moved here to Valdosta. And I go, uh, I moved here in September. I, uh, Chris invited me to this uh, uh, pastor's network uh, meeting where just pastors in the area get together. Um, that I, I happen to now oversee. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, and I remember, it, was, it wasn't the first one, it might have been the second one. And I was sharing with this one pastor in particular. And God love him. I love him. He's a great man. But he's lost vision. And I'll be honest, when we moved here, and even in those first 10 months of transitioning here, when we were driving up here every Sunday night for 10 months, uh, uh, doing church here at 6 p.m. over at our old Remerton location, there's times where you pass about every church that you ever thought you would ever see in your life and wonder, why are we coming here to start another one? (laughs) I mean, just to get to our location, you had to pass like 22. And every denomination, I mean, they basically got all the bases covered. You don't like the Holy Spirit, you can come here. If you do, you can go over there. If you don't like dancing, if you like it loud, you like it soft. If you want to go to heaven, if you, I mean, you could just pick and choose, man. It's Burger King. Have it your way. And I'm like, what are we doing? But I quickly figured out, at least within the first 60 days, while we were here and I was talking with this one pastor and you could just tell no vision just lost sight of vision that's all 
I mean, I don't mean to say that people without vision perish. The Bible tells us this, but you can get it back. I want you to know today that if you've lost your vision, you can get it back. God never takes away his purpose. We walk away from it. But if we walk away, you can go right back. I don't know who that's for. But this man had lost his vision, lost his way, just going through the motions. And it was everything from there's a spiritual darkness over Valdosta to uh, none of my people want to do anything. I mean, just all this stuff just spewing out. And somehow the conversation turned to what we were doing. And I start listing off all the things I believe we're going to do. Because, <laughs> you know, what else are you going to say? You just 27 years old, first time pastoring a church. And sure enough, got the response that you would imagine. Doubt. And this is the thing is you never have to reduce your report to your news. The news is what it is, but the report is what you make of it. Where am I getting that from? Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. I want to show you somebody else in the Bible that encountered giants. And I love the fact that these are actual natural giants. So I believe if if these men, including David, could face natural giants, I believe that we can face the spiritual giants and the emotional giants and the mental giants. We might not be facing anyone. You might not have to go to work tomorrow and your boss is nine foot, six inches tall and he's carrying a spear and a sword and a huge shield and daring you to come at him. Might feel like that sometimes. But I believe that we all have these giants and These giants here in Numbers chapter 13, this is Goliath's great, 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 grandparents. The Bible tells us that Goliath was the descendants of these guys. Which makes me wonder, why are we facing Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17 when these guys were supposed to take him out? See, your battle isn't just about you. Are our kids going to have to fight the battles that we were supposed to win? There's a lot of dissension in the church. There's just division, you know, trying to creep into the church all over the place. There's the race issue. And we've seen over the last several years, there's a generational issue. And I believe the new one that's creeping in, it's not creeping in, but I think it's coming to the surface, is the denominational issue. We don't know how to respond to people that have a different background than we do, just spiritually speaking. But the the generational issue is so that we don't defeat the enemies that are in front of us. And the next generation is going to have to fight stuff that we didn't win. And the reason why these Israelites, all the way back in numbers, when they first went into the promised land, the reason why they didn't beat these giants is because they became like them. Because you can't defeat what you become like. Culturally speaking. You can't you can't. Be like them and win them. Doesn't work. Here in Numbers chapter 13, these Uh, uh, Israelites, let me just catch you up. Moses has brought the Israelites out of Egypt. They've been in slavery for uh, a long time, over four generations in slavery, brings them out of the hand of Pharaoh, comes across the Red Sea, and now they are on the edge of the promised land. Promised, past tense, E.D., promised Land. It already belongs to them. And now uh, God has spoken to Moses and says, I want you to send in spies. I want you to send in spies. 
So verse 21, they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as the Rahab near the entrance of uh, Hamath. And they went up through the south, came through Hebron, Ahimon, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. That's the giants were there. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan or uh, Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol and they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They had to carry it on a pole between two of them. That's how big the grapes were. Clusters of grapes so big that they had to carry them on a pole. We could call this series. The other one's called cheese and giants. We could call this one grapes and giants. Because what are you going to look at, the grapes or the giants? It's amazing how many times we see the blessing of the Lord and he sends us in to spy it out, to check out how amazing and how awesome it is. But all we come back with is reasons why we can't do it. That's what's happening here. We've got 12 spies that go in. Cluster of grapes so big they have to carry it. And they return, verse 25, and they return from spying out the land after 40 days. And they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They're showing them the blessing of the land. They're showing them. They've got visual representation. They have, it's show and tell. This is what we saw. Here's a little bit just to give you a glimpse. They told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, those are the giants. Descendants of Anak is the, the, is the giants that were populating the land. They're not doubting the blessing, but they are despising the blessing. It's amazing we can look right at the blessing that God, I mean, it's right in front of us. You couldn't deny it if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's what we've been believing for. That, that's it. That's the vision. That's the purpose. That's the, that's the dream right in front of you within arm's reach. And God will even send you in to spy it out. God will even send you in to go check it out. And we're not doubting the blessing, but we despise it. And so they give this report. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. This is people with purpose. Let us go up at once and take possession. Kind of sounds like David rose early in the morning. At once. We're not even going to waste any time. I'm not going to allow any of these doubters to continue to, to spill all their garbage. I'm not going to allow people that don't have purpose to kill the vision when we have purpose. Uh, we need to go up at once and take possession for we are well able. He's not doubting that it's there. He's just stating we can overcome it. What he's stating is, I know it's big and I know it's great and I know it's fortified and I know there's a lot to it. And I know that there's giants. I'm not doubting that they're there. I'm not doubting that the doctor said that there's cancer and I'm not doubting that the marriage looks as bleak as it does. I'm not doubting uh, that the business is going on. I'm not doubt, but I'm saying that we can overcome it. That's purpose. Purpose will state the facts, but will not live by the facts. Yeah, I see the balance sheet. 
Yeah, I, I see where our, I see what our kids are doing. Yeah, I, I see what the bank is saying. That's fine. We'll overcome it. We'll overcome it. Now, there's only two men here that have this kind of report. Same, same promised land. Caleb didn't break off and go off to some direction. Man, where I was, I didn't see nothing. No giants over in my area. I don't know where you were going. Same land. Same territory. Same news. Different report. The news is what's delivered to you. The report is what you deliver from it. Same news. We are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up. People with purpose will always. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's always a giant before the giant. Caleb and Joshua aren't even having to fight the giants. They're having to fight their own. David hasn't even made it to Goliath. And he's got to go through Eliab. There will always be a fight before the fight. You're in, you, you know you're on your way to a blessing and you know that when you get there, but then it's the very people that you thought were for you all of a sudden are against you. And that's the fight you, because you can't get bitter and you can't get offended and you can't respond uh, in hatred in, in a mean way because there's a fight on the other side that's more important than this fight right here. And so you're not going to get me off course, but the enemy will bring a fight before the fight because Caleb and Joshua could have said, well, we tried. We tried, but these guys over here, stupid Israelites. <laughs> Can't believe we're stuck out here with these people. Can't believe it. I mean, didn't, didn't go there. Didn't go there. Caleb and Joshua didn't go and form their own coalition. They said, fine, you don't want to go in with us? God will take care of it. I'll leave it up to God. And, and this is what happens when, when you start living by purpose. Don't get surprised when it's the people that are the closest to you that start attacking the cause. Don't be surprised. His own brother, Eliab, saw him get anointed. He was in the room. His food was over there getting cold. I was standing here waiting for that shepherd boy. I'm taking forever to get in here. I can't believe it. I've already been passed over. Now I've got to sit around and wait for the shepherd to get in here. He was there. And still denouncing his opportunity. There will be people in your life that will watch you get anointed. Watch you get called. Know that there's a hand of God on your life. Know that you've got a calling and a purpose and a destiny. And they will still stand in your face and say, are you sure? And then they'll say, go back to the pasture. What are you doing out here with the big boys? What are you doing out? What are you doing at a meeting like this? All these business owners are millionaires. What are you doing here? You haven't turned a half a million dollar profit. What are you doing with all these people? What are you doing? Surrounded. Mm. They said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger Then we, who says, I wonder, have we accepted a report that not even God has given? They are stronger than we, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report. See, this is what's awesome is a good report can overcome bad news. Bad news, there's giants. Bad news, it's fortified. Bad news, it's bigger than we thought. Bad news. But you can still come away with a good report even when you've been given bad news. The report is up to you. That's your responsibility. 
Who has believed the report of the Lord? The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. That's a lie. This is what people without purpose do. That's always happening. Everyone's leaving. It's all the time. Everything's going wrong. No, it's not one thing. One thing. Your car wouldn't start this morning. Every. I knew it was going to be a bad day. I mean, it just, that's, that's where they live. People without purpose over-exaggerate, over-exaggerate. I just made up a new word. People with purpose make up things that aren't even there off of one event. I knew he would never get it right. I knew they would fail me. I knew it's, all, it's always happening all the time and everybody's doing everything. <laughs> this is what they do. They, I, I've heard reports. I mean, I wasn't there. I didn't, I didn't see it. But I've heard reports that there were only three giants in the land. Three. And they're all of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were, watch this, like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Perspective. That's all that is. They were making up a perspective that they thought they saw. Running out of time. I, uh, Pastor Caleb, take us to Joshua chapter 6. I got to show you this. I wasn't planning on showing you this, but you got to see this. They said, in our own eyes, we were as grasshoppers. And so we were in their eyes. See, when you don't have purpose, you lose perspective. But purpose will change your perspective. What causes a man to run towards a battle that everyone else is running away from? Perspective. It's all about perspective. They said those giants, they saw us and we look like grasshoppers. But according to Joshua chapter 6 verse 1, Jericho, which is in this territory of the promised land, was securely shut up because of. The children of Israel. Huh. Wait a minute. You're telling me that they built those walls because they were afraid of us? One person sees a wall that can't be taken down and the other person sees a wall that is up to keep them out. Do you see how the perspective changes everything? Not the reality. You don't need a new reality. You need a new perspective of your reality. Because Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Throw that up. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Colossians 3. It's in there. I put it in there. If then you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting. Seek. It's our responsibility to seek. And the last one, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. While we do not. Is that right? That's 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. There it is. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. We've looked at this before. That phrase, do not look, does not mean ignore. It means do not focus on. It's not saying ignore the facts. No, no, no. He, he didn't say I have cancer. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're, we're fine. We're in the green. We're not in the red. Everything. We are doing great. By faith in Jesus' name, we will. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that you've got to place your focus. We're, we're there now. But in the name of Jesus, we're coming through this. We will overcome it. 
There ain't no uh, giant. There's no wall. There's no city. There's no enemy. There's no accusation. There's nothing that can come against us that can stop us because I am a person of purpose and you can't stop me because you can't stop my mission. You can't stop what I'm fighting for. It's not about what I'm fighting against. It's about who I'm fighting with and it's about what I'm fighting for. And my cause is greater than my enemy. Is someone hearing me tonight? Your cause is greater than your enemy, but your perspective has to change. We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. How do you look at things that are not seen? For the things which are seen are temporary. I mean, you should walk out of here just stating that. It's temporary. It's in the red, but it's temporary. It looks like it's broken, but it's temporary. You know what that word temporary means? I love this. Subject to change. Subject to change. Now, you just need to walk out of here. My marriage, it is subject to change. It's subject. You know what subject means? It means it's in submission to. It's subjected to change. My situation is not greater than the change that's about to come against it. And all that needs to happen is for me to get the right perspective and the change will take care of itself. It is subject to change. It's just temporary. It's in the red, but it's temporary. It's broken, but it's temporary. It doesn't look like there's a lot ahead of me, but it's temporary. I'm hurting in my heart, but it's temporary. I'm anxious in my mind, but it's temporary because I'm going to set my mind on things that are above. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, that means the thing that is more real is the thing that hasn't even shown up yet. The healing is more real than the sickness. The prosperity is more real than the poverty. The peace is more real than the anxiety. The joy is more real than the depression. The love is more real than the hatred. It's more real. It's permanent. It's not subject. It's eternal. It's just a matter of you grabbing a hold of it with your perspective. We're not talking about seeing something different. We're talking about seeing it differently. I don't, I don't need to see a different marriage. I need to see my current marriage differently. I don't need to see a different financial status. I need to see my current status differently because if God is for me, what can be against me? Who can be against me? How can it stand against me? Because I have a perspective of not what is fighting against me, but what I am fighting for. And who is fighting with me? It's your perspective. Purpose changes your perspective. You can recognize someone very quickly when they have vision and they have purpose by their perspective. You can, you can locate them very quickly. We've lost sight of vision. But here's an exciting thing. As quick as you lost it, you can get it right back. 